This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Welcome back to the Goodreads Virtual Book Club. I'm Brianna and this is... Hi, I'm Elsa. And this month we are participating in the National African American Read-In and we read by popular vote, Colson Whitehead's Harlem Shuffle. So just kind of a brief summary of Harlem Shuffle for you before we get into it. And we'll let you know once again when the spoilers will happen before we start talking about it. But basically, Harlem Shuffle is about a man named Ray Carney who owns a furniture store in Harlem, New York. Um, he's kind of a quintessential New Yorker in the fact that like, his heartbeat and the city's heartbeat seem to coincide. Um, and he's basically trying to be a better man than his father was and be a better family man and provide more for his family than his father did. Um, through this furniture store. He describes himself as a little crooked, but not bent. Yes. Cause he does have, um, he does sell stolen goods. Uh, stolen TVs, <laughs> some stolen jewelry, occasionally. Occasionally, uh, he takes it to a man uh, called Aronovitz and he kind of just makes this exchange or repairs anything so that Carney can sell them. And it's basically just kind of about his life and his trajectory of trying to get somewhere and get into a better place in both like his emotional and spiritual well-being as well as physically within the city. I think that's as much as I can say briefly without giving too much of the plot away. Yeah. There are a lot of characters in this book. Yes. Um, I know for myself, Elsa and I have talked about this prior, before this discussion, there are so many characters, I had a really hard time keeping track of everybody. Yeah, I, there's so many introduced like in every section. Yes, yes. Yeah. This book is told in three parts. Um, and Elsa read that Colson Whitehead wrote it in chunks. Yeah. Which you can kind of tell because the chunks are connected but also disparate. Like they take place sometimes years apart from where you just were. Because we start yeah. out in the 50s and we end in 1964. Yes. And so, I mean, it's a pretty long time span of life in Ray's world. Yeah. And a lot happens to him, but also it feels like not a lot happens. It's honestly like daily life because yes. not all of it is. So it's kind of a heist yes. book, but it's mostly just things happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's kind of a heist. It's kind of not. It's kind of a crime novel. It's kind of not. It's kind of a coming age novel. It's kind of not. Yeah. Um, and. I think it's it's very slow like it's clearly an in-depth account of a time period not necessarily a person um so if that's kind of the novel you're into I think you would really like it uh it wasn't quite for me and we will tell you why yeah. not that I didn't like it yeah but it 
there were times when I was reading it and I felt like I was like reading backwards because I felt like I was making no progress yeah in the story yeah which I, is new for me yeah I did I did have a hard time reading it it was based off something Colson White had wrote for the New Yorker called the Teresa job and I feel like I did start reading it, and I was more engaged than I was in the book. So, yeah, that's an option. It, it is an option. Yeah. Because they are, like, each individual part is kind of its own thing. Like, it could easily be a short story just with the same mm -hmm. characters. But they don't necessarily, like, each point doesn't necessarily tell a continuation of a story. So, it's more like vignettes in a person's life. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we'll get started started talking about it so Elsa mentioned the short story he wrote for the New Yorker called the Teresa job and that's the big catalyst in the story so Ray he has his furniture store he managed to buy it out because he found uh, like thirty thousand dollars in the back of his dad's truck yes. that his dad had <laughs> like, left there in his tire it, yeah his tire. like in his tire or like in the spare tire well in the back of the yeah. truck um, he found $30,000, so he was able to buy this furniture store that was up for sale. And it's really, like, I would say this furniture store is his true love. Like, over everything and anyone else in his life, this furniture store is his true love. And furniture in general. He's just very passionate about, like, all the lines and the curves and yes. the textures of all the furniture that he has in his store he loves furniture he also specifically loves couches yes which i think is interesting because i feel like the reason that he loves couches so much is couches have the facade of always you know being owned by a family like because couches fit multiple people usually in a living space as a get-together space and i think ray has this really big desire to be seen as a family man even though he really is not a family man. No, he spends a lot of time elsewhere besides his, his family. home. Yeah, um, like leaving the house mm -hmm. at like odd times of night. Yes. Um, or being at work all the time. Seven days a week. Um, for like, it seems like over, definitely over the eight hour work day. Mm -hmm. Um. But he has the store, and his cousin Freddie basically pulls him in against Ray's wishes. But his cousin Freddie and a group of guys robbed the Teresa Hotel or the Hotel Teresa. We are now offering Chromebooks and hotspots, including charging cables, for checkout. All kits come with an easy to carry bag and are available at your nearest SSJ CPL branch. Check for availability by calling 209-937-8221 or check out the online catalog at ssjcpl.org. Um, and they stole a bunch of stuff and they made local mobsters really angry because they stole something important to somebody. Yes. And so basically the heat gets thrown on Ray because Freddie drops all this stuff off at Ray's furniture store and is like, well, you're my cousin, you're basically my brother, I love you, help me. Here's some trouble. <laughs> Here, yeah, here's some trouble, you have to deal with it because we're family. Um, and Ray does, he takes the stuff in and he 
like uses his connections to try and sell it off before Freddy gets in too much trouble. Even though everybody's looking for Freddy and everybody else. And there's a couple guys that were in this group. One's named Miami Joe and he's like also a big mobster in his own right. Mm -hmm. Not as big as the guys that are after Freddy. I think they come up later, but the main guy's name is Montague and he's like the head of this mafia mobster connection. Um, but Miami Joe kind of wants to take all the profits himself. And so he kills Arthur, who was the safe cracker that got the jewelry. It, I guess it was a, like a up and coming actress and she had a very famous oh. boyfriend. Yes. And the boyfriend had connections to Montague and that's how that all happened. So he, um, so then there's like a big standoff with Miami Joe because another character comes in named Pepper and Pepper knows Ray because he Pepper worked with Ray's father. Was he like Big Carney? Big, big. It was like Big Mike, Big Ed. So, yeah, something, something like that. Like I don't that. Yeah. But I mean, Ray's dad was like also big into this underworld mobster, mm -hmm. kind of like a hitman almost. Because Pepper is also a hitman. Yeah. Um, and Pepper is looking for Miami Joe. And uh, they find him, and uh, Pepper kills him, and then Ray has to dispose of the body. And that's really kind of <laughs> where Ray's downfall starts, or his descent into this underworld where he becomes more crooked and less bent. Yes. Shall we say? Yeah, because I exchanging like TVs and like dealing with stolen jewelry. He just considers himself like a middleman. He's not really yeah. doing anything terrible, but I mean, you can't really say that about disposing of a body. No, this is, this For is sure. really where it starts to happen. And um, it's interesting because like, I feel like this novel is filled with more quote-unquote bad guys than good guys, mm -hmm. but there's so much nuance and shades of gray to everybody that nobody is either really good or bad, per se. Like, they all are trying to exist in this space um, and may be forced to do the things they do or, you know, have to do the things they do, but they're not yeah. necessarily good or bad in the sense of, like, good versus evil. Because there really is right. no good versus evil. There's not. It's all kind of ambiguous. I mean, Freddy, we kind of understand that... Well, I feel like we feel a lot of compassion because he is so close to Ray. He is very close to Ray. They're basically, like, brothers. Yeah. They grew up together because Ray's mother died um, when he was young, and his father wasn't like super great as a family yeah. man which is why Ray wants to be such a family man and wants to have this persona of being a family man yeah um and so he was basically raised with his aunt and mm -hmm. Freddie and always told to protect Freddie right and he definitely carries that out more and more and more as Freddie gets himself into more and more trouble mm -hmm. because the people around Freddie when he was growing up like, his own dad and then his mom's boyfriend were also kind of in this underworld area. And he sees that and, and just emulates it as he grows up. Yeah. Whereas Freddie 
where not Freddie, but Ray really doesn't necessarily want to copy what his dad did. Like Freddie wants to copy what the men in his life were doing, but he also is compelled to. Like he can't quite get out from under it. Yeah. Because his dad had a big reputation and it carried over. Like he really can't escape it. But Ray, well, I don't know. He's such an interesting character. I mean, now that mm -hmm. I think about it, but really trying to be a family man, but. Wants power. Like I don't understand if he <laughs> realizes what he's doing or like if it's an I, act for others or also for himself. Like, I think in the beginning it was for Freddie. And then I think yeah. by the time we get to the second part, it's for him because he wants power. Because he feels slighted that he didn't get the power that he thinks that he deserves. Yeah. Um, which I guess is a good segue. So this is when the spoilers are gonna start. So if you don't want spoilers, you haven't finished it, click off, come back later. Um, but the second part, so that's kind of the whole first part of the novel is the Hotel Teresa job and everything that that entailed and Ray's descent into this underworld. Um, and then by the second part, we see Ray trying to climb up the social ranks in Harlem and get be bigger and better things in his furniture store and have a bigger name in this world. And his wife, Elizabeth, her dad is a member of this, um, like, boys club. Yeah. Called the, du <laughs> the Dumas Club. But these guys basically kind of control Harlem and, like, what's, what's a very popular establishment versus what isn't. Mm -hmm. And Ray wants his to be, like, the most popular furniture store it can be. Um, and so he's trying to get into this Dumas Club because um, this kind of like kind of friend kind of mentor guy named Pierce who is a really famous African-American lawyer mm -hmm. um, says like you're perfect for this you should try out for it so he does but he has to give this guy Duke $500 in order to join or they won't even consider him yes so Ray like works his butt off to get this $500 together he takes some of their because he and his family, so Elizabeth, they have a daughter named May, and they just had a son named John. And so they want a better apartment, because where they are is... They're just kind of stacked on top of each other. Don't really have a lot of space. No, don't have a lot of room. Yeah. Um, it's They don't have, like, air conditioning or anything, and it's super, super hot. Yeah. Um, which, just kind of tangent... I think that Colson Whitehead did a great job of describing like New York in the summer. Yes. Because I felt yes, it. Yes, yes. And <laughs> um, like the the settings that he creates are incredible. Like he's so detailed. Like you can see this Harlem in 1959, 1962, 1964, mm -hmm. from the way people are dressed to the cars that they're driving yeah. to the storefronts that they're viewing. Like, I feel like you're really right there with them. Yeah, you're hot and sticky, too. Yeah, fanning yourself, fanning yeah. yourself fainting. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stand yeah. it over. Um, but, you know, he's trying to better his family and himself. Like I said, he does, I think that he does want power. I think that 
like his dad had a different kind of power and he doesn't necessarily want what his dad had but he wants to be someone like he wants his name to be known to the people that he wants it to be known to yeah i think there's a couple times where it's mentioned because it says carney's furniture i think that's just Mm -hmm. what it is there's like an emphasis on like his name and yes um and I guess that's not the kind of success he wants, despite being kind of passionate. Like, that's where he's drawn to having kind of that underground kind of power. I don't know. Because yeah. they expand the store so that he's yeah, doing he's well. He's doing well. But that isn't enough. No, it's not enough. Because yeah. he starts off and, like, they're barely making ends meet, but they're meeting. Yeah. Um, And he's... You know, actually, like, very generous with people, giving them layaway plans and all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And then by the second one, there's definitely been a shift. Not that he's not as kind to people, but he's more in it for himself. He's not mm-hmm. in it necessarily for the betterment of others. And so he's trying to get into this club. He pays Duke the $500. And then Duke basically says, sorry, sorry, Frey, you're not a lot. You know, you're not admitted. Yeah. And Ray thinks in part that it's his step, his father-in-law, Leland's fault, because Elizabeth's father is also in this club, because she grew up on what they call Strivers Row, but it's like the nicest part of Harlem. Um, And her father is in this club, and he thinks that perhaps he had a say in why he didn't get in. But then he feels the need to get revenge because Duke won't give him his $500 back. And so he basically puts his name on his, like, cork board of people who owe me money. Literally, he puts it on there. <laughs> um, and that's, like, his sole focus is getting revenge on Duke. Yeah. And that's when he starts this routine. He calls it, like, Dorvay. Um, but basically where he'll go to sleep early and then sleep until like 1 or 2 a.m. and then be up until like 4 a.m. or later and then go back to sleep and then start his day. Yeah. So that's kind of where he starts having these like parallel lives where he has his like waking ray, where he's a family man, he runs a store. Now he also is able to have dinner with his kids and his, mm-hmm. his wife. And then there's the, the night side the criminal side of Ray where he is trying his darndest to get revenge on Duke because he won't he won't let him into his club and he won't give his $500 back. Yeah. And he does it in a very like shocking way. I thought Yeah. I thought it was Yes, he so <laughs> a little while. He he really starts to get closer to Pepper cuz Pepper mm-hmm. is kind of like his doorway essentially into this underworld that he needs to go down in order to get revenge on Duke and claim some of this power that he thinks has been stolen from him. And so he like gets Pepper and then Pepper introduces him to a woman named Miss Laura, who is a sex worker who used to work at this place that Ray's dad used to take him to and Mm -hmm. Ray and Freddie used to go to called Ma'am Lacey's. Yes. Um, and she used to work there upstairs where the sex workers were, 
and she also wants revenge on everyone. Have you met Libby? Libby allows you to borrow ebooks, audiobooks, and magazines instantly. Browse films through Canopy on Libby as well in the extras section. Download the Libby app for access on your smart devices. To get started, visit ssjcpl.org. She wants out. And she, the, um, the guy that she works for, whose name I cannot remember. I'm so sorry. There are so many names in this book. But she wants him gone because he will kill her if she tries to leave. There, it's like a domino effect that they're setting up. Mm -hmm. So like setting up all these dominoes and then they're gonna like start the catalyst and they all come falling down. Yeah. But she wants to get this, she will help Ray take down Duke if Ray takes down the man that she works for whose name I cannot remember um and gets him out of the picture mm -hmm. because he will kill her if she tries to leave because he has a reputation didn't he, he like i can't remember he cut one of the sex workers i think he cut yeah. her face i can't quite remember but it was very violent and very yeah. brutal and that's the, the reputation that he has mm -hmm. for people who he thinks cross him or try and leave right leave him cuz Laura is a big money maker. Like mm -hmm. basically, he has all of these sex workers working in different apartments mm -hmm. um, to avoid the law. Yeah. But then it's worse for the sex workers because they 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 just don't ever really have a break. Yeah. And they're very controlled. Just trapped in there. It's yeah, very trapped. It's really, really sad. Yeah. Um, so this is their plan. So they have Pepper, they have Laura, and Ray. So Ray pulls in this police officer whose name oh, I yeah. think is Munson. I could it be is. wrong though. It yeah. is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, who kind of comes to the furniture store a lot and is also on the take, shall we say? Yeah, so he, he gets a weekly payment. <laughs> he gets a weekly payment from Ray, and um, he pulls him in to try and get the guy that Laura is working with, try and arrest him, and I can't remember what the charges were. Was his name Viv? Oh, maybe it was. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. We'll say it's Biz. That sounds yeah. correct. Because he was also associated with Freddie. With Freddie yes. and with Montague. Who, yes. like, Montague seems to just, like, run this whole yeah. section of underground monster type yeah. things in Harlem. Like, he seems to be the head of it. And, like, if you make him upset, you, you may die. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll call him Biz. Thank you. I, I'm 90% sure. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you're correct. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but so I don't remember what the charges were, but they try like a couple times to arrest Biz and it just doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. And so then they finally get him, um, and the uh, Munson arrests him and they tell Ray almost too late for the plan to work mm -hmm. and then Ray is really upset about it. And then they 
they have this entire stage thing where they pull in this kid who's a photographer who like wanted to be like an urban photographer mm -hmm. and it just went not great for him and basically he's low-key photographing pornography things yeah um he does boudoir his, yeah boudoir photos i yeah. think his name is zippo it, it is yeah um, everybody has a nickname and that's i think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to keep up with people because they all have a nickname and then they have another name mm -hmm. but also just there's so many characters who get introduced that are only there for a short time but are like crucial to a plot point and then you never see them again or in a flashback and then come back in real life it's everything's <laughs> there's a lot of characters there's so many yeah we will link a character sheet for you in the description because um it was very helpful yes <laughs> but um so yeah so they pull in zippo they have Laura, they have Pepper, and then they basically drug, well, Duke is one of Laura's customers, mm -hmm. and they basically drug him. Like, Laura drugged a lot, like, over yes. than what they had said, and they take, um... Compromising photos. Very compromising photos of Duke that they then release to the general public. Mm -hmm. Zippo hands over the photographs to a local newspaper mm -hmm. and they're like releasing them like every couple days or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that is Duke's downfall. Uh, Biz is in, well, he gets out on bail and then he, like Laura predicted, they pin everything on this other poor sex worker and she ends up getting beat up really badly. So then he goes back to prison on assault and battery charges and stays there. So Laura is able to leave New York City. She doesn't know where she's going. She says she can't go home and she can't stay here, but there's everywhere else to go. Yeah. So she leaves. Um, Carney Gray gets what he wants. And in the fall of Duke, Duke falls real hard, as does all of the people of that generation of Dumas mm -hmm. Club. And then Ray gets to join this club that he wanted to join as a, like, in a leader role. This is where I stopped reading, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, so this is, this is, yeah, it is intense. And so that's basically Act 2. And then we move on to Act 3 which is called Cool It Baby, which you think, like, in my mind, I thought that this was going to follow, like, a very kind of rags to riches to rags story, a la Theodore Dreiser's Sister Carrie, but it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't. Like, he does, it's not necessarily rags to riches, but he definitely gets somewhere. And he starts, um, also, in part two, he starts learning how to assess gemstones with this guy named Moskowitz. Oh, that's right. Um, because yeah. he's getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this underworld element where he's stealing more high-priced and high-watch items um, and learning how to assess the good from the bad, the costume jewelry versus the real jewelry, and kind of price it. And so he's working with him to learn that in his, like, Dorvay 
waking up in the middle of the yeah. night wanderings. Um, so he's really, he's not just selling now like stolen TVs, like he's selling full stolen jewelry, like high priced stolen jewelry. And he has connections now where he can pass jewelry off and get it sold before anybody catches wind where it went. Um, Cause that, that's important to know because then in Kula Baby, um, Freddie, Freddie is going downhill pretty fast. Freddie got caught up with this kid named Linus and Linus is part of this Van Wick, like New York dynasty, super wealthy family. Linus is also white, which I think is important to note mm -hmm. um, for was, what happens later. Was he this character at the diner? Yep. Okay. That's Linus. Okay. And he kind of takes Freddie down this bad path where Freddie gets really addicted to drugs and really distances himself from his family. Like, he doesn't really talk to Ray anymore. He doesn't talk to his mom. He doesn't check in with anyone. And they're, he's getting skinnier and skinnier, and they're really worried about Freddie. And Ray is going and seeing his aunt more because um, they're all worried about mm -hmm. Freddie and what's happening with Freddie. And basically, Freddie and Linus hatch a plan to steal this like super, super expensive jeweled necklace like emeralds, diamonds, all kinds of stuff from Linus's family's home in super rich New York, Manhattan, and sell it for drugs. And so Freddie, they do get it, and Freddie gives it to Ray to put in his safe, but tells him not to open it. Um, but also basically pulls the same <laughs> card that he did with the Hotel Teresa, like you're basically my brother, we're family, you have to, you know, you have to help me, you have to protect me. And everybody's like, after this happens, everybody's on the hunt for Freddy. Like, ev because the Van, the Van Wykes have connections. They know dirty cops, they, uh, they're basically, I did do some research about this, but they're basically like the Rockefellers. Like they own all this property, all this real estate. They're buying up real estate in the sense of urban renewal. And they got their hands in a lot of pockets, but they, ha they know a lot of powerful people because they are powerful people. And so the police are looking for Freddie. Montague is now looking for Freddie. Like everybody's looking for Freddie. And Ray is like, I gotta try and get rid of this necklace before they find Freddie because they're gonna kill Freddie. And so he goes looking for, basically he has a meeting with Montague who tells him like, you have to tell me where Freddie is or else. And this one guy, he's like Chet the vet or something like that. <laughs> um, but he basically tells Ray that if he lied to Montague, Montague has like cut off somebody's eyelids for blinking at him too much. Oh. So, I mean, <laughs> bad news bears. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like Ray does kind of, he knows where Freddie lives. So he goes to the apartment, the doors open, it's like slightly ajar and he's, he goes in and Linus is in the bathroom, but he had died of an overdose and Freddie is nowhere to be found. Browse from a great selection of fiction and nonfiction digital items in Hoopla. Hoopla also has a wide variety of popular comics for all ages. Library card holders are allowed four checkouts a month. 
Enjoy magazines and the great courses unlimited with a binge pass. A Hoopla binge pass gives you seven days of unlimited access to great online content with a single borrow. To get started, visit ssjcpl.org. Um, and so he's also looking for Freddie, trying to get rid of this necklace. He pulls in Pepper, and Pepper at this point is an older gentleman. Like he, he can't take the hits like he used to anymore. And Pepper ends up getting stabbed in the stomach, and then he has to go to the hospital. And then he does come out to continue to help Ray, because by this point, I feel like Pepper is like a father figure to Ray. Yeah. Um. And but he like can't. He's doing his best, but he can't take the hits like he used to. And so basically, everybody's looking for Ray, uh, for Freddie, excuse me, including Ray, but Ray doesn't get to Freddie in time, and Montague's men get to Freddie first, and Freddie passes away. Um, but Ray, seemingly like this golden, I don't know, he's got like sunshine on his back, but he managed to get rid of this necklace and he comes out of it squeaky clean, but not. So you think like it's gonna have somewhat of a moralistic tale, like he, Ray is gonna see the error of his ways, he's gonna come out of it, but it doesn't happen. And I think that's like kind of what we were talking about, why there's like no good versus evil, mm -hmm. there's no bad guy versus good guy, because everybody, Everybody has their motives for doing the things they do, and there is no good and bad, really. I mean, there's better and there's worse, yeah. but there's no good versus, like, there's no good or bad. It's just very nuanced, different shades of gray type yeah. of people. So, Ray just, he just keeps kind of doing what he's doing. Like, he gets, you know, he's trying to, He's in this Dumas club now. He's still looking for more power. He's trying to buy up more real estate. He's also trying to now get revenge on the Van Wykes because he finds out through public records that they bought a bunch of properties in their son Linus's name in order to avoid taxes on the properties. And that's kind of where the story leaves us is Ray is kind of is trying to do to the Van Wykes what he did to Duke to revenge Freddie's death. Yeah. Um, and the book ends with the beginning of the building of the World Trade Center Twin Towers. And that's that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is all she wrote. Um, it is interesting. We did um, pull some discussion questions that I'll link in the description too. And in the questions, they describe this novel as a picaresque novel, which... Like, I didn't think of it at the time, but it really is. Like, it's it's not necessarily about a person, but it's about a place. Yeah. Um, and I would say that this novel, yes, Ray is the main character, but Harlem is really the main character. Yeah. Like, New York City is the main character. Uh, what is happening in the city and how it's changing from the 50s through 1964. Because uh, it's, it is and isn't about Ray. Like... Another question here is like, what, you know, they have all of these terrible things happening to people, but are there actually any stakes at hand? And it's hard to say because you don't really get to know anybody on any type of personal level to yes. feel a real attachment to them. Yeah. I almost feel like uh, a camera set up in front of uh, 
Carney's furniture store and we're just like seeing people pass by and that's how we're understanding the story. Ray just happens to be the narrator. Yeah. And like you do kind of get to peek in his head, but all not really. It's like yeah. you're outside of Ray too. Like he's narrating the events, but you don't necessarily know what he thinks. Yeah. Um, and it it was interesting. And I think for me, I enjoyed the setting. I thought his writing was excellent, but it was just a little bit too slow of a pace I think it would have been better as a short story mm -hmm. or as like a series of short stories instead of one long novel I yeah I think so too um I loved all the descriptions and yeah yes. the writing was great um descriptions of furniture were a little too much it, it was it was a bit much but uh, but also the descriptions of like the city mm -hmm. I feel like if I had come into the book knowing it wasn't a heist novel yes. and it was more of just like a snapshot of Harlem in these different time periods then I would have had maybe a different perspective of it but yeah, yeah. I mean I definitely agree like because I think that when they promoted the book they're describing it as this crime thriller heist novel yeah and it is but it isn't like that's just a small portion of, of, of the plot that it just you know it doesn't mm -hmm. have like there there are stakes but there also aren't any stakes it's mm -hmm. basically yeah like like Elsa said it's just a story about about the city about Harlem itself not necessary and like a snapshot of the people who live in it mm -hmm. yeah it also said it was a family story I don't feel like it's that either, I, I mean so. I think in the sense that Ray wants to be seen as this wonderful family yeah. man. But, like, in reality, doesn't ever seem to be at home. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Which his wife seems super interesting, and I wish we would have gotten does. to know her more, but we didn't. But, no. again, this isn't about people. Like it's his, about place. His wife works for this travel agency that basically helps African-American people travel through the South as safely as possible mm -hmm. during this time. Because, I mean, this was basically... There's so many riots happening around not having civil rights, and it was a lot of big, deep unrest and violence mm -hmm. that they had, you know, people had to be extra safe, and she helps people plan their travels to be as safe as possible. Yeah. And she seems like the coolest character in this book. Yeah, and I just, I just heard about her. She's very interesting. She is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is our... I mean, if you do, if you have read it, please let us know what you thought. Yeah. Like if you loved it, I would I would love to hear your take on it. Um, and please do join us in March. For March, we are reading a short story collection called Her Bar Her Body and Other Parties. So I hope you join us then. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at SSJCPL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter or visit our website at ssjcpl.org.